0: Throughout my life, the Ten Rings gave our family power. If you want them to be yours one day, you have to show me you are strong enough to carry them. (laughs) You are a product of all who came before you. The legacy of your family. You are your mother. And whether you like it or not, You are also your father. I told my men they wouldn't be able to kill you if they tried. Glad I was right. You're just a criminal who murders people. Be careful how you speak to me, boy. I thought I could change my name, start a new life, but I could never escape his shadow. My son, you can't run from your past. This weekend, Marvel Studios and Disney released Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, introducing the MCU's Shang-Chi, played by Simu Liu and directed by Destin Daniel Creighton. Joining us today is production designer Su Chen, who will talk with us about the film, which was also her first assignment in the MCU. I'm Carolyn Jardina. Welcome to the Hollywood Reporters Behind the Screen. Su, thanks for joining us and congratulations on the film.
1: Thank you. It's uh, been really great to see the reception it's getting.
0: So this is your first Marvel film. Tell us about how you got involved in the project.
1: Well, um, I was uh, passed the script by my agents. And of course, I was not going to turn down the opportunity to um, interview for a Marvel movie. But this particular Marvel movie was extremely exciting to me because I grew up, I'm a first generation Chinese American. I was born in New York City. My parents are from Hong Kong and southern China, so we're Cantonese. And so I grew up going to the cinema in Chinatown, New York, and watching kung fu movies. It's just like part of my DNA. And so when I got the chance to do like a huge kung fu movie, I thought, okay, you know, I'm probably not going to get this movie because I've never done a big action movie. But heck, I'm just going to go in and talk about what I want to talk about and how I would do the movie. And um, so it was actually a really fun interview. Um, Dustin is just a lovely, lovely guy. And the fact that there was actually only the sort of rough outlines of the story that they're willing to share with me because, you know, Marvel's very secretive. uh, It gave me a lot of freedom to just go in and just talk about what I think is important about not only, you know, kung fu movies and how to build sets for them, but also just culturally, you know, about being the diaspora Chinese, part of a diaspora Chinese community in America and how the time seemed to be good to be bringing stories for all diaspora Asians, but not just Asians, like, you know, anybody, because everybody really enjoys martial arts films and Marvel plus martial arts. It seems like seemed like it would be a winner.
0: What were some of the cultural elements and, and some of your favorite martial arts films that uh, that influenced your work?
1: well you know obviously Jackie Chan's work was always at the forefront of all of our minds and certainly mine I mean I you know he was a great Hong Kong action star there's a lot of comedy there's a lot of um, just you know vivacious work with the sets you know I love the idea that the sets and the props and the furniture would all get used um, which we did do which is wonderful and then you know uh, movies like Kung Fu Hustle and certainly more arty films like the work of um, Jiang Yimou and people like that. There's just so much to choose from. Um, I I, I think all of it, we were all so excited when we started working on to just, you know, reintroduce ourselves to those movies. Um, And so I'd say it was all influential. I mean, we really tried to like, give a little taste of everything in this film and I I hope we succeeded. Um, And then cultural influences, you know, When you grow up Chinese, Chinese American household, there are all these holidays and all these traditions and all these foods and all these things that you just take for granted that you, you, you do, you celebrate them. There's stuff that you do as for filial piety, for your ancestors to, um, honor the seasons. There's so much that you do. And so it was fun to bring these things either explicitly or implicitly into the stories and into the sets. Um, really so much that I can't even name all of them. Our, our folders of research um, were brimming, and I don't even think we covered nearly anything, that everything that you could have covered <laughs> in Chinese culture. is just too long and too deep. <laughs> well,
0: you, um, you designed the 10 rings in the film. Would you talk about that design and your influence specific to that
1: well, you know, as you know, the um, logo for the Ten Rings has already made an appearance. Um, it was in an earlier incarnation when um, the initial faux Mandarin was introduced to the world in Iron Man. And so we didn't want to di- divert too much from that. And the, the studio, a mar- a Marvel didn't want us to go too far from that because that's still a, a part of the culture, the Marvel culture and the stories. So we took that idea the, the literal 10 rings with an emblem in the center and we turned it into what Wen Wu's character would have done um, in his time in the ancient you know, period when he first gained the power and started the organization. So we really wanted to riff on the idea of the traditional Chinese script um, it's, uh, called bone script. It's one of the names of it is bone script. And we took the word strength and we found as many ways as possible, or at least 10 ways (laughs) to write and in embody the notion of strength. And then we made those our characters around the 10 rings. And then the, um, crossed weapons in the center, we looked at several different options of ancient weapons that, um, that had a nice graphic quality. And, you know, we just, we did many, we did several versions of that and then uh, worked with Destin and Marvel and looked at the ones that were promising. We played around with the script. We looked at using brush strokes for the ancient times. And then we modified it for the contemporary version of Wenwu's organization. I mean, the savvy viewer will notice that the bone script is replaced by traditional Chinese, traditional modern Chinese characters, the same characters, but rendered in the contemporary uh, script. And so that's pretty much how it went. And uh, we were pretty, pretty happy with it. So turning to
0: the sets and the locations, uh, I, a lot of this is sets, you said.
1: Yes, we built everything, pretty much. <laughs> Some, um, the, the village of Talo, for instance, was built in an empty reservoir hillside um, outside of Sydney. It was basically just an empty field. And we built the entire village there. It was surrounded by a blue screen. We built the bamboo dome. We built all the buildings. We built the temple. Um, what else do we build there? We we probably used all the bamboo in all of Australia. <laughs> it was pretty much shipped to us in Sydney. We just had loads and loads of bamboo, and we created bamboo groves everywhere. And then we used all the stages at um, Fox Studios Sydney, and we put sets into all of them. And then, when they were done shooting, we put different sets into them. So. Lots of building. Well, let's
0: talk about Talo. Uh, do you want to begin with the bamboo forest?
1: Well, Talo has several um, components in the film. Uh, the first time you see Talo, it is um, when Wen Wu meets his future wife. And they have this lovely, um, you know, battle <laughs> in, a, in a beautiful bamboo grove. And we built that on stage. We created that entire magical water-filled, green-filled um, environment on stage, uh, partially because it was, we had a lot of control over it and we could then expand the world beyond. So a lot of bamboo went into that. And then once that was done shooting, we then, um, the second part of the village, well, there's many parts, but the the big part of the village was built on location. And um, again, we liked the notion that this was a magical secret place that you could only access through. I don't want to I'm not sure like spoiler wise. I probably shouldn't say that much, but it, it, the way to get to the village is a magical way. It's not like you can just, you know, find it on a map. And so we had to create the um interstitial parts between the the human world, our world, and how you get there. So we part of the way that you get to the actual village, which is you know, on a water a, a, on a body of water, is that, um, and you just have to um, pass through a lot of different areas with magical creatures. And some of that stuff was built. Some of it was visual effects. But we in the art department visualized all of it and passed that on to our friends in visual effects. And, um, you know, we had cars driving through and things of that sort. So little pieces of it were all designed by the art department. But then when the village came along, we wanted this notion that when you enter the village, it's anchored uh, or centered around uh, an ancestral temple. So that's the largest piece of our build. And we built an entire temple, really, like you could have, you know, you could see that temple in almost any small town in China, probably. Um, And we based the design on um, Tang and Song Dynasty architecture, a little bit of each. You know, very traditional tile roofing, very traditional colors, beautifully painted beams, um, marble, stone, you know, very traditional materials. And we based all of the sort of uh, components of our village on this notion of the five elements. Um, Chinese uh, culture has this, uh, I guess you call it maybe a synergy between the five elements um, that are when when in harmony, function to, I guess, balance one's life. And so we wanted to bring all of that into our village. And then in a way, the sixth element is dragon scale. Um, In the story, our protector sheds his scales, and the uh, villagers make use of these to to not only build some of the stronger elements of the village, but also for weapons. And so the whole, entire village is reflective of of this sort of foundational idea about the five elements, and um, as well as the, the mystical, magical ideas embodied in the story.
0: Would you elaborate on some of the research
1: Sure. Um, you know, we had a, a large research team, and, you know, the typical way you do research uh, is, of course, you go to the internet and you say, you know, you, you know, notions of Chinese architecture symbolism. You know, we looked at a lot of the symbolic uh, creatures that would be a part of a temple architecture. We looked at what colors would be in, included in, you know, ancestral temple architecture. We looked at you know, ideas of scale. You know what what you would ha- how you would represent um, the size of the person to the size of the building and how it's related to the bigger world. Um, and you know, of course, we we want to use very traditional um, techniques such as wood carving. We have lots and lots of beautiful wood carving in um, the story and in our buildings. And a lot of that was designed digitally, of course, but all based on reams and reams of um, sort of the most classic Chinese wood carving styles. And then our, our artists, you know, came up with our version of it. And, you know, if you look closely at the paintings and the carvings within the movie, they're all related to Talo. They're all telling the story of There's Lo. There's their, uh, a set of screens inside the temple, which literally depict, you know, the waterway and the, um, the uh, cave or that the villagers are guarding against across the way, but you'd have to be looking really closely to see it. And so there's a lot of storytelling in all of the craft work that is, um, you know, I, don't, I, I think that you'd have to freeze the frame and look at it, but there's, there's a lot of great <laughs> stuff there. Oh, and then if you were to look closely also at Wenwu's compound, Uh, there's a, before he marries, the compound is representative of, you know, more his, his rise to power and is more heavy and is more, the symbolism in there has nothing to do with Talo. But then once he marries and, uh, his wife comes into the picture, um, everything is replaced, the carvings, all of it, the windows with things that represent Talo. So it might be floral things. There, there are these, um, K- Kapok trees, which are the big red trees with the flowers. We, you start to see those in the um, woodwork and the doors. Um, bamboo, obviously. Um, and then in the studio where she practices um, her martial arts and trains the children, the three walls and also where the dragon's eyes go in, those are all the story of Talo or a part of the story of Talo. So you see that um, reflected in his home once she comes into his life.
0: You read my mind. That was actually my next question. <laughs> it, it is softer, and you, you, you see her influence in, in that period. Do you want to elaborate on some of the details that you changed in order to create those two different feels?
1: Well, um, in the ancient version of his uh, compound, you, he, the Ten Rings logo was embedded into the courtyard, for instance. And the courtyard is used to train soldiers. It's really a place of, um, you know, uh, might and uh, fighting and that sort of thing. And we've, we eradicate that and turn it into a beautiful garden. And things like the footbridge that crosses over the stream, that footbridge, we actually used, we took it and put it in the village. The idea being that she brought this, the, the same design of the footbridge into the area. And in place of the logo, there is a, a beautiful stone mosaic of a phoenix. And of course, when you get to the village, all the phoenixes are flying around. Um, and so many of the little animals turn up. But also there's a there's a feng shui at play in how the the layout of the garden, you know, the each of the four directions is represented by a different uh, plant. Uh, a different flower, which is also seen in the village. And if you were to notice the carvings on each of the screens, on each of the doors, on each side of the of his um, compound, when he marries, you would see that those motifs are repeated in each area. Um, so there are things like that. And of course, the biggest the biggest representation of the village really is her. Um, her studio where she practices, you know, because we have the dragon on the one wall and he is facing uh, a carved mural of the mountain Mountain of souls. Um, I'm not sure what you're actually calling it the mountain of souls in our movie now. I have to check that, <laughs> but, um, but he's facing the cave that they're protecting um, with the, and then in between you see the um, moon gate with the the uh, lions on either side and later on you find after they get through the maze of bamboo that's where they end up and so all of it is leading the audience ultimately to talo but you first see it in the compound
0: is there significance to the lion and things like that that you want to discuss
1: uh the the lions on either side well uh, it's a big part of um chinese culture you know these these guardian lions are uh, ubiquitous in Chinese culture. They're protectors. They're, um, I think, um, I have to remember my research, but they they're also you know just a symbol of strength and um, you know they're they're and then they turn up in the village. You see the fighting alongside the villagers, and so they they turn up all the time. And we see them we see them in the front of uh, Wen Wu's compound at his entrance too. So. There are definitely elements that are um, shared between the village and Wenwu's life, you know, cultural elements of that sort.
0: So what was it like working with Dustin? Would you, would you talk about the collaboration? What, what were some of the things that you talked about as
1: you were designing this world? Oh, Dustin was just terrific. He was just a, terrific to work with. Um, well, you know, we, we started out um, when the script was developing. We started talking in sort of a broader sense about some of the magical things that we want to underscore. And we wanted to make sure that um, anything that we put in that was a a real specific Chinese cultural aspect was respectfully conveyed and also conveyed in a way that was sort of universal. I mean, because we're not just making a movie for Chinese people, you know, uh, uh, Dustin is a half Japanese American. He's Japanese American person, and um, and so it's interesting to see across different Asian cultures some of the things that we all also respect and enjoy, like you know filial piety, you know family connections, all of that stuff was always present. And Dustin, you know, was always a great person to be like, like if I would say, well, here's something, here's an idea that's not necessarily in the script. Um, but I think here's a way in which it could be interesting to introduce. He would, he would always honor that and say, okay, we'll take it to a certain point and let's see where that gets us. And sometimes it didn't get us to the right place and other times it got us to a great place. And so he was just really, really open and really great to collaborate with and, you know, just um, top to bottom, just a pleasure. And enjoyed his job so much, really enjoyed learning about all the cultural stuff was really enthusiastic, appreciated what we did in the art department. I mean, he's just, he's wonderful and a great writer too. As an example of an idea that we all um, decided was a, a good idea to pursue was that we were you, talking about, you know, how the villagers would, uh, what would their weapons would be like, what would be a way to make Talo unique in this sort of universe, different from other, uh, I guess, Marvel, heroes in this way. And we talked about the fact, we knew the dragon was going to be a part of uh, the story and because dragons are reptilian and reptiles often shed their skin and their scales, we all thought, well, maybe it would be interesting to use this idea of the shed scales uh, everywhere, you know, in, in what the villagers do. And so that, you know, with the costume department with every, everybody agreed that was a neat idea. So we start developing, you know, how would you turn scales into weapons? How would you use them to create, you know, doors? Um, how would you use them in the costumes? How could you tip the arrow, uh, arrow tips, you know, bows and arrows with them. And so this, this was an idea that, you know, everybody agreed in the beginning would be great. And then, Everybody just kept adding more to how that could be realized. So that was um, that was one of the, the many, I think, ideas that that moved forward because Dustin thought it was great. And Dustin and, and Jonathan also, Jonathan Schwartz, who was our producer, uh, he was also a great creative collaborator. Like
0: all Marvel movies, there's certainly a lot of visual effects in this. Would you talk about collaborating with Christopher Townsend, the visual effects supervisor?
1: Yeah, Chris Townsend and his team were very, very uh, great. I mean, they were a great team. And he was on very early, um, earlier than I, I think. But he was one of the first people I met. And he was really, really excited when he saw that many of our sets were actually 360 degree builds, (laughs) where he wouldn't actually have to do too much enhancement. But despite that, the sets where he knew he had to do a lot, he was so... Collaborative, you know, we whenever we scouted lots and lots of locations, or we had people scout what would be maybe the village, what would surround our village in real life. And because of COVID, you know, we had had plans to shoot um, Vietnam uh, plates as a potential uh, exteriors for our village, but when COVID stopped that from happening, Chris was just painstaking with his um, vendors in really looking at the things that we all loved that we all discussed, that we all loved and agreed upon and really, you know, using our concept art and uh, expanding upon that. So he was just terrific to work with. Um, one of the things that he and I worked with really closely to, um, come up with a good idea on how to tell this one story point is when they put the dragon's eyes into the dragon at Wenwu's compound. And, you know, I think magic bullets have happened a lot in movies and it was it, it, we were trying to find a way to do that that would be different and specific to our story and you know just um just that could wow the audience and be something they hadn't seen before. So that took a while to noodle out and at one point Chris and I you know we were just talking about doing something with water because there's so much water involved in the village anyway and coming up with a novel and neat way to use that to tell the story point without it getting bogged down. Um, and so, you know, I would send him some research and he would look and go, oh, that's kind of cool. And then we'd discuss it and then my artist would come up with something and then he would finish it, you know, cause there's only so far the art department can go. But it was, it was just really fun working with him and knowing that he would also honor the things that we designed and see them through to completion.
0: Um, is there anything else you wanted to add about the bamboo forest? When uh, when Wu and Lee meet, certainly was re- very reminiscent of Ang Lee's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you know, it's true that uh, we didn't want it to feel cliche. Obviously, you know, when you choose to have a lot of bamboo in a martial arts scene, I suppose everybody's gonna be like, "Oh, they did that, in Crouching Tiger." But you know, Crouching Tiger wasn't the first ones to do that either. <laughs> you know, and I think that we really. Um, I think that the fight really was a great way to introduce what the 10 rings can do while at the same time creating this sort of beautiful dance choreography between the two of them. Um, It was complicated to design that set to fulfill all the needs of the stunt department. I mean, the stunt rig and the way that they had to wire everybody and get them to do things and all the rehearsals needed was and definitely uh, very time-consuming, and we had to tweak the set to, like, make it work. And But all of that was really fun, you know? We had our bamboo, for instance, on these wagons. They were all on these little sort of mobile uh, skids that we could like put little motors on and shake so that they would kind of move and that we could move around to suit whatever the action was. And that was really fun. I mean, just the technical aspects of creating a set like that. Um, and you know, it's also fun that the space needed for a fight like that is considerable, but the set looks much huger than it really is. Thanks to our friends in visual effects and thanks to the uh, fight choreography and how they edit it to move the actors around. So, You know, that was um, maybe as much as any set, maybe more um, a a nice exercise in set design plus fight choreography plus visual effects. You know, I feel like it all worked out really nicely there. You referenced
0: COVID before. What was the schedule? When were you designing the sets and when were they shooting?
1: Well, um, we did a lot of um, design work in America, in Los Angeles, uh, in the summer of 2019, And then we went off to Australia and started continuing the designing and building it. And that really happened all through the fall of 2019. And we were actually be by the beginning of 2020, we, when COVID was first starting to happen, we were getting ready to shoot and we managed to shoot, you know, maybe I I can't remember if we were a week or two weeks in when everything stopped. And so we, our sets were, most of our sets were either, um, halfway through, completed, some of them had been shot, but we were not anywhere near done. (laughs) And so as a result, everything had to be just locked up, folded, and we just had to walk away. So our our village set, which was outdoors, had to be waterproofed, weatherproofed, and um, safely um, secured. And then everybody just had to leave it alone for for three months. So basically from, um, I think we were shut down in March and we didn't come back till July, so there were a couple months in there where the set was, you know, being carefully monitored, but was open to the elements, you know, subject to rain and, you know, wind and sun, and so we had to come back and um, rehabilitate it and complete it. But you know, it's a village, and those things actually probably just—I uh, think—they added character to the set. Honestly,
0: <laughs> what's next for you? <laughs>
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, I definitely I'm definitely on a bit of a break now. Um, you know, it it this is a gr- this was such a great project. Not be, just because of the size and the scope and the resources, but the people on it were so terrific. And the reception has been so good. It's a hard act to follow, but I'm not um married to doing giant, you know, movies. For I I like a story, you know. I'm always going to look for a good story and I'm not going to jump on just the next thing so you know we'll see it could be big it could be small as long as the people involved are great and they're telling a good story then you know I'm there
0: (laughs) it was great talking with you thank you so much same here thank you for having me